Hey, good morning. Good morning, everyone. How are y'all doing this wonderful Sunday afternoon? Awesome. Hey, I'm so glad that you guys are here today. Hope you have a fantastic 4th of July. You guys get, get pop fireworks, anybody? Your firework poppers. Anyway, you're just barbecue people. You're just like, hey, just going to barbecue. We're going to have a good time. Well, hey, I just want to say welcome everyone here. Hey, everyone that's joining us online, we're so glad that you're joining us online as well. And also, I just want to say thank you so much to my mom and my dad and Pastor Richie, Pastor Payment. He always brings an amazing word, but also is always there for people. Can we give it up for Pastor Richie and Pastor Pam? That's right. That's absolutely awesome. Youth camp, man, I see all the like youth, they're leaving, they're leaving right now. And like some of the parents are like kind of sad and some of them are like, leave now. Get out. Leave. We need a break, me and you right now. Well, hey, I believe God uh, wants to speak something to you. He's speaking something to me as well. I might be preaching, but I'm listening just as much as I'm preaching today. So, hey, we're going to make some faith decorations. Why don't you go ahead and stand up today? We're going to say it like we mean it today. So if you would, let's say it out loud with me. Say, God is who he says he is. God will do what he says he will do. I am who God says I am. I can do all things through Christ. God's word is truth. God's word is alive and active in me. And now because of what Christ has done, I'm highly favored, greatly blessed, and deeply loved. Let me pray for you all today. Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for it that we get to gather together to worship and to just read your word, Lord. And I just pray right now, as I'm speaking, Lord, that it would be you that is speaking through me, God. That it wouldn't be Richie, but it would be you, Lord. And I just thank you for everyone that's here, that we would have our hearts open and our ears open to listen to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated today. Well, hey, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Verse 17, and, and this is what it says. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Isn't that such a wonderful verse? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We're just coming off a of 4th of July where we got to celebrate our independence, and it really is mind-blowing that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I love it, and I honestly can't believe it, that God is the one who gives us freedom in our lives. It's really mind-blowing. It's, it's crazy to think of that God not only saves us, he saves us from hell, he, he makes us a son, and then he also gives us freedom in our life. I mean, it's, it's really, it's mind-blowing. I, I can't get around this thought. It's been, this thought has been with me for a few weeks now of like, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom in our lives. So I'm not a slave to what is being captivated to me, but God has given me freedom into my life. And really, it's amazing that the God that we get to serve chooses to give us freedom in our life. And this is really just kind of the preamble to my message today is that we have an amazing God and we get to follow after him. We don't have to, we get to follow after him. My mom and dad used to say, Richie, you don't have to, you get to do this. Whenever I didn't want to go do something, they'd be like, Richie, it doesn't matter if you don't want to, you get to go do it right now. It's a change of thought and it's a change of attitude. Well, I, don't, I have to go do that? No, you get to go do that right now. And you know what? In our, in our world today, people need to know that there is life and there is freedom and there is hope in this world because all they're seeing in the news is how bad things truly are. 
But you know what? God has something bigger and better planned for their life. And they need to know that truth in their life. And you know what? We get to spread that truth. And it comes best by spreading that truth is through the love of Jesus. And that love is found in Christ. And I want you to know that should motivate us like never before to recognize that God's love is so, is so amazing. It can be embraced by absolutely everyone. That people are searching for it now like never before. And it can quickly change everything in our lives. I'm telling you, the love of God, it can change situations that you thought were unchangeable. It can change things that you thought, man, is it always going to be this way? Is that person always going to treat me this way, who I have to have in my life? Is it always going to be this way with this person? Are they always going to talk to me that way? I'm telling you, the love of God can change situations in your life. But if we're really going to spread God's love, if we're we're really going to dive deep, if we're really going to make this change in our hearts and in our lives, because it's not just a change mentally, it's a change right here in our heart. That if we have to change our heart and say, I, it doesn't matter how they treat me, I'm going to spread God's love. So if we're really going to spread God's love, we have to stop mixing the law and the grace. Law and grace. We have to stop mixing the old covenant and the new covenant. We have to change that. It's like what Pastor Mark had a, a great demonstration last week of mixing oil and water. It simply does not work. And when we do that, when we mix the old and the new, we are taking away the awe of grace. And a lot of times we don't recognize that when we're stuck in the old covenant, but the old covenant isn't our covenant. And we have to to just change. We have to repent. We have to just change our minds, and we have to stop operating in it. You see, the old covenant was was about do. Do good, get do good. Do good, get good. Do bad, get beat. Come on, somebody. You got beat as a kid. I know for me, I did a couple of things, and my mama beat me sometimes because I deserved it. And she needed to lay down the law a little bit. But the new covenant, it's not about that. It's about the finished work of Jesus. It's about what he's already done in our life. And so there was this great exchange where Jesus took what we deserve, the punishment, and we got what he deserved the blessing. So it's time for us to embrace the covenant of Jesus that he has provided for us, the new covenant. And give our, and we need to make this choice of since we're embracing this new covenant, we need to give what God has given us and give God's love to everyone we come in contact with. So what do I mean by truly becoming a follower of Jesus? How do I know? How does Richie know? How does, how does you yourself know if we are truly following Jesus, and I want to talk about that today, and it's found in John chapter 13, verse 35, and this is what it says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It is, this is the blueprint that Jesus is laying out, that you will know, if you, that you will know you are my disciples if you love one another. So there's the proof that I'm a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ by the contagious love that I give to other people. And I think most of us would not in agreement with that. We look at this verse and we would say, yeah, that's right. That's exactly what I should do. But how would you, previous, previous to seeing this verse today, define being a follower of Jesus Christ? 
Would you define it by your obedience? Would you define it by your giving? Would you define it by how you serve other people? Would you define it by your church attendance? And I want you to know all those things are great things, but that is not what defines us as a follower of Jesus Christ. Because what this verse is telling me is that by the love that I give to other people, that is the real proof. And I want you to know if you are loving other people and if you are loving Jesus, all those other things will simply follow It'll be a byproduct that it just happens to follow you instead of something that you're striving to actually do. And this is why being a follower of Jesus Christ is based on a relationship with Jesus and not a set of rules and not a set of regulations. You see, when I have love in my heart, I will act on it. I cannot have love in my heart and I can and hate someone at the same time. You see, when I have love in my heart, I'm no longer looking to dodge the rules or see how far can I push the envelope anymore. You see, with my beautiful and amazing wife, when I respond, when we're in a fight and I respond to her right, I'm acting in love. But you know what? Sometimes I have a harder time and I don't respond the right way. And so when, in that time, I'm not acting out of love when I respond that way. And I just want to make this clear. This isn't about just your spouse responding the right way. This is also responding the right way with, with your family. Come on, so you, you might be thinking, I might have said that, and you're like, man, that one family member just drives me nuts all the time. They always are saying the same, same thing. They always do this. They always try to make a new dish on Thanksgiving, and it's always terrible. They always have this one thing they got to say. They always got to do this. Or it could be a friend. You got a friend who might be a knucklehead sometimes. And you're like, hey, man, can you help me with this? And they're like, oh, they're always busy when you need help. But the moment you, they, they need something, they're calling you like, hey, can you help me out here? But when we're, when we're following Christ and we have love in our heart, we're like, yeah, of course I can do that. Of course this is with this. But this isn't just with our spouse and our family and our friends and the people in the church. This is with everyone. This is with people who aren't even in church. This is with the boss that drives you crazy. This is about with the coworker who drives you crazy. This is about with the customer or someone that you're working with that just drives you absolutely insane. And Jesus is saying how you love them would it be to, will determine how, how effectively you are in relationship with Christ. Because God wants us to respond in love because what we have thought in the past is that even if things weren't good with other people between like you and me, I could have a clear conscience with God while avoiding whoever I wanted in the store. That, oh, it doesn't matter that I'm, I'm upset with them or peeved with them or I won't go talk about this problem with them. I'll just avoid it. But you know what, God? We're still good. This is a vertical focus. It's only focused on me and God. And it makes the, the assumption that God's primary concern was how our behavior affects him. In this way of thinking, God is personally offended with sin because they are contrary to his nature and his belief. And I want you to know, God does not like sin, but you know what, God loves people through their sin. And you know what, when we're following Jesus, you know, we might make some mistakes along the way, but we're still following the one. It doesn't mean we trip and fall, but it means we get up and we keep following him. And while this is also true about this vertical relationship with God, it could be a only focused on me. It's only focused on what my thoughts are of my behavior. And since I can't see God, you can be left thinking, what is sin and what isn't sin? And to be quite honest, it can be quite hypocritical because my questions or our questions could be, they're not, a fo they're not focused on how my sin affects God, but how it affects me. 
And we can be far more concerned about how my sin would affect me than I was about how it would affect God. And besides that, we're asking, how close can I get to sin without sinning? And I don't know about you, but that's the same thing as asking, how far away from God can I be without losing contact? And that's not the relationship he wants to have us. It's certainly not the approach we should take. To having faith in Jesus, it certainly does not make Christianity contagious at all. And then there's another approach into this vertical focused relationship. Instead of seeing how low can you go, how far apart from God can I get before I'm sinning, we, we can say how close to God can I get and how, much, how can we seek a deeper relationship with God. So what, what we do, this is something that, I, I, I'm on both sides of this fence, guys. I'm, I'm on the, how, how far away can I have gotten? I've been in times like that. And, how, and then I'm on other times where I'm like, how close can I get to God? And this is like, I, I think it's a more virtuous question. And it's, and it's, how close can I get to God? And how deeply can I get to know him? How can I know him more intimately? And while we may not always have recognized this, those questions are focused on the priority of a vertical relationship too. Because while seeking a deeper relationship with God is awesome, many times the intimacy sought is not for God, but it's for me. Sometimes people that are seeking a deeper experience with God are often seeking something for themselves instead of actually seeking the one. And I want you to know, we want to seek God. We want to go deeper with God. Except for people could be looking for ways to get closer to God can just be self-absorbed. They're not thinking about everyone else around them. They're not thinking about the people around them who need the love and hope of God. They're just thinking about how can I get closer to, to God. And again, I'm on both sides of these fence. I, I've been in the place in my life where I'm like, how far can I get away from God without being too far? And I've been in the other place where I'm like, how can I just get closer to God and no one else matters? But that's not what Jesus wants in our life. See, on one side, you're looking for loopholes so that you can skirt around the teachings of God. And the other way, you're looking for your way. And the other way, you're looking to get a deep relationship with Jesus, but it's still all about me. I'm preaching to myself just as much as I'm preaching to you guys today. So, and you know what, when I'm in the deeper side of things, I become, and I'm getting more disciplined with things, I can become intolerable, I can become judgmental, I can think, why on earth are they doing those things that they're doing? And that's not the way I want to be. So whether you're looking for a loophole in your relationship or focus on being more disciplined to go deeper with God, we think obeying the law proves more than following Jesus. And we end up mixing the old and the new covenant in both of these situations. And it only causes us to have a vertical relationship with God and our faith in Jesus, which causes us to make Christianity all about me. It's self-absorbed. It's not about the people around me. So this is what we have to do. We have to change from a vertical relationship to a horizontal relationship. And that brings me to the verse that we talked about today in John chapter 13, verse 35. And it says, by this Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's, that's the key. That's what Jesus has given us as the key today, that you will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, it's important to note that when Jesus came to this earth, he didn't come to abolish the old covenant or the law. He came to fulfill it. 
Jesus came as the hinge pin between the old and the new covenant, but he wasn't introducing old covenant 2.0. He was ushering in something new in our lives, which is why he was in constant conflict with the religious leaders of his day because he, all of his teachings were giving people a heads up like, hey, guess what's about to happen? Something new is on the way and you got to get ready for it right now. It's no longer going to be about your obedience to the commandments that would prove that your love for God is. It was going to be about their love for others that would be the test of their love for God. This is completely different. Instead of having this vertical relationship, he's saying, guess what? We're going to go horizontal now. And that's why Jesus taught things like this in Matthew chapter 5. Therefore, if you are offering your gift... If you're offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in the front of the altar. First go and reconcile to them, then come and offer your gift. This is a complete new thing. This was not in the old covenant at all to go do this. Because all you are worried about is you and God. You do not have to worry about anyone else. And as modern day readers, we can miss the implications of what this meant because we think of our altar as right here, right in front of the, right in front of the stage where we come and we, we might need prayer sometimes. We come to the altar and we get prayer for it. But in that day, the only time, place to worship was at the temple. And so people would only go to the temple once or twice a year because it took days for them to travel to the temple. And it took a while for them to get there. So for them to choose to leave their gift at the altar was crazy. That means I've got to walk three or four more days back to go get something right with someone who either I was offended or they're offended with me. This seems crazy. But listen, this is what Jesus said. It turns out that is what he meant, and now this was a new standard Jesus was moving, moving towards. Jesus was moving from our love for God being expressed through obedience to our love for God being expressed by our love for others. This is completely different. So in Matthew 22, we see the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, trying to trick him. They're, they're taking shots at him, and they are trying to trick him. So they get up, they ask an IRS question, which if they would ask me an IRS question, I said, I don't know. Let's move on to the next question today, sir. And then they ask him a riddle about the afterlife, but Jesus easily explains it away. And then the Pharisees sent in a lawyer. And in Matthew 22, this is what it says. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Now, this lawyer isn't there just to learn anything. He is there to stump the unstumpable teacher. He's there to build his resume. Come on. If you can ever stump someone who's unstumpable, people are going to be coming to you. How did you do that right there? So, this is what he says. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? In the law. Now, this wasn't a hard question. Every good Jew who was in that room could have mouthed the answer along with him, along with him. And, and everyone would have known what the right answer was. But this is what it says Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Everyone in the room has known this. And I think the lawyer's thinking, all right, I've got him. He said the right answer. I'm going to go ahead and say this next, next question. But Jesus says, wait a second. I've got more to add right here. And he goes, and the second is like it. Let's go ahead and go. Love your neighbor as 
yourself. It's important to understand that this is the first time these Old Testament statements have been combined in this way. The first statement makes its debut in Deuteronomy, and the, first, uh, and the other appears first in Leviticus, but this formula was original to Jesus. This is absolutely brand new. Most commentators believe that Jesus' point was that there are actually two greatest commandments because of the statement, and the second is like it. The second commandment wasn't second in importance. It was only second in sequence because it was as equally great and important as the first one. And according to Jesus, these two commandments summed up the entire Old Testament. And how do we know that? By what Jesus said next. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is completely different for what's happening. The first century Jews referred to their scripture as the law and the prophets. So according to Jesus, all their scripture could be summed up by these two commandments. Complete and bring, these two commandments complete and bring into fulfillment all the Old Testament scriptures. But if you had to ask first century Jews what would it look like to love God, they would have said, obey his commandments. And that's the easy thing. How do you love God? You obey his commandments. You do what he's asking you to do. But if Jesus establishes a new answer, and the answer is by loving your neighbor. His point is unmistakable. Love for your God is best demonstrated loving your neighbor. This is horizontal. This is side to side. This is horizontal expression of love. The first century Christians had it for one another. It's what made Christianity contagious around the world because they love the unlovable. You know, in, in my life right now, uh, reconnecting with people I haven't seen since high school. I'm about to get my 10-year high school reunion. It's coming up next year. And I'm like, what? I had a friend who messaged me, said, hey, man, are you going to be at the 10-year reunion? I said, there's no way it's time for that yet. It's not there yet. And what's happened, started to happen is I'm seeing people in my life who have never really went to church, never really got involved at church, all of a sudden start reaching back out to me all of a sudden start reaching out to my wife, Brianna. And they're, ask, they're all asking the same question. Hey, will you pray for me? Hey, will you help me with this thing? Hey, I'm, I'm struggling spiritually right now. And it's easy. They, they don't go to my church. I could easily blow them up. But I'm like, I have a responsibility as a Christian right now to give them love and to give them hope in their life. And if we today as Christians, we would make love for our others the priority of our lives, Christianity would become the most popular thing in the world. There would be nothing like it. It'd be like, oh my goodness, you still love people? Even when that person treated you that way, you still responded that way? It's our love for people that, happen, that happens. I've got people in my life, they're brand new Christians, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, this is what it means to be a Christian. It's to love other people, and if you do that, you will follow everything that Jesus has asked you to do. Because how can you love someone and be mean to them? How can you love someone and cuss them out? How can you love someone and, and flip them off in traffic? How can you love someone and, and, and do something to them? Because when we have the love and the hope of Jesus, it oozes out of our lives. You can't help but love other people. And it makes you different than everyone else. 
You can't help but be a great employee when you love your boss. You can't help but be a great coworker when you love your coworkers. Even the ones you don't like, you can't help but love them. And some of us might say, it's so hard to love some people. Yeah, I agree. I got those people too. And the only way that I can choose to love some of those people is by receiving God's love for myself. I, 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 I'm, I'm human, just like you. Those people are in my life. I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta go hang out with them again? I gotta go do that again? But God's, God's given me my calling. He's already told me, you're to love other people. It doesn't matter if they don't act like you, they don't look like you, they don't, they don't do what you like to do. God's called me to love them. And so, and he's given that same mandate to you for the people around you. That's why at this church, my Pastor Richie all the time is constantly reminding us how perfectly God loves you so that you could receive his love and give his love away to other people. And some of us might be in this room saying, Richie, I want to give love away, but I don't even know what it looks like. I need people to love me. And you know what? That's the point. We want to create a culture here where loving, loving other people is the norm. Loving people through their mistakes. Loving people through their challenges. Loving people when they need someone to cry, a shoulder to cry on. Loving people when I don't know where else to turn to right now. Where our love for each other as followers of Jesus Christ and our love for people who don't know Jesus Christ becomes contagious in our life. The world is looking for love. They just don't know what it looks like. And his name is Jesus. And he is the one who wants to give love to people. He's the one who wants to take this contagious thing called love that he created, that he designed, and he wants to give it to other people. And we need to allow our touch and our presence and allow our love of God to have a positive impact in the world. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it when I hear, man, that person who's a Christian was just so mean to me. And I cringe because that's not what God wants us to do. We, as a Christians, we need to understand that what we do matters. It matters more than what we can say. It matters what we do. I can say I'm a Christian, but if I don't act like a Christian, what does it matter? I can guarantee you that the world is watching what we do. So let's choose and let's, let it be daily, a daily choice, moment by moment choice, to love other people. Showing unconditional love to everyone we come in contact with. So that as a community, we can be spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. I don't know, that God, that's what God wants to do in your life. He's got love for you to give away. He does. It's called the good news for a reason. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not the bad news. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. And there's a reason it's good news. It's because we have a Savior, and his name is Jesus. And he doesn't want just you. He wants you and your family. He wants you and that coworker who drives you nuts. How awesome would it be if that coworker got saved and all of a sudden is filled with the love and hope of Jesus Christ all of a sudden? It would change our life. It would change the world. Oh. Oh, 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 oh